perfection is the enemy of the good. We've heard this phrase around, attributed to French writer Voltaire and from an English proverb, l'ennemi du bien est le bien. It reminds us about how we can trip up if we get bogged down with thoughts of perfection, so much so that it can stop us in our tracks. Hello there and welcome. We are always in motion, constant motion, but is it conscious? Welcome to In Conscious Motion, a podcast created to help us grow in awareness so we can stay in motion even when we feel like we're standing still. My name is Faith Christine Bergevin. You can call me Faith. In today's episode, we talk about perfection. We talk about mistakes, making decisions, and doing it anyway. Maybe my story will help you see where you are letting perfection be the enemy of the good in your life. Perfection is the enemy of the good. On being scared and doing it anyway. Quote, and now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. End quote. John Steinbeck in East of Eden. I slowed my writing pace around the change of this publication's name in late April. I'd been thinking about it for a while beforehand, and it felt big. It felt risky. But I made the decision, made the change. Then I needed a nap. Then I panicked because I feared I'd scared away a few subscribers or at the very least, turn them off. If you're one of them, I'm sorry. And since you're listening to this, thank you for continuing with me. If you're okay with the ebbs and flows of change, even if it's uncomfortable, I embrace you. It's a hard place to be, accepting uncertainty when all we really want is to be sure of something. Being sure makes us feel safe. As trauma survivors, we need safety. Feeling safe was taken from us when we were harmed. Creating consistency and a sense of knowing what's going to happen is a part of stabilizing our lives. Since I myself have been through recent trauma, I have to create that safety for myself. And that means taking care of myself and what I need to do to create stability even if it means sometimes disappointing others. Even here. First and foremost, as a survivor, I must take care of myself. Then I can offer what I have to give from a place of safety and stability. It's the foundational stage of trauma recovery. In addition to these emotional elements, There were technical issues in making this change. Honestly, I think I might have messed up the Substack algorithm. I noticed in a dummy email I used to test as a subscriber, Substack sent a message from me using the old name and offering an incentive to become a paid subscriber like about a week ago. I didn't send that email. It's clearly part of the algorithm. I clearly clicked some box. And I'm sorry if you've received one such email that might have confused you. I actually contacted tech 
and the boost email I didn't even know was there was not automatically updated when I changed my my name. So FYI, if you change your name, best to go to boost under settings and change the auto email name. Who knew? Little tech tip for my sub stackers who are listening now. Anyways, somehow in the whole algorithm, it didn't get the memo. Life has glitches, apparently. Like I said in this piece on why I changed my name, called Healing is Change, or Healing is Awkward. Huh, I don't even remember the name of my piece. Healing is Change. There it is. I have the link in the essay. So like I said in my piece, Healing is Change, on why I changed my name, healing, therefore life, is sometimes awkward. But receiving that email in my dummy account made me think, I did this wrong. I'm not perfect. I screwed up and confused people. I should have just done what others have done and started a whole new newsletter. It felt like I broke a promise to those who subscribed to the old name and depended on my consistency. Then I felt bad because I know that many who do subscribe you know, have experienced adversity and trauma, and I don't want to be a part of the lack of consistency in, in a person's world. <laughs> I'm trying. The tricky thing about writing here and then speaking my podcasts is that I'm writing post-trauma, which means there are some things I contend with in my personal life, in my healing journey, my own personal healing journey, that can sometimes interfere. I am striving to live my life in conscious motion, so things will not always work out the way I planned. Even so, sometimes we have to stick with things, even if they get a little messy. I believe in the evolution of my life, my writing, this publication, and that it will be okay. It will be okay. Well, it is, but not without bumps along the way. It's not perfect, but it's still good, or at least good enough. How many ways to be good enough? Well, I may not have been writing as much. June brought new opportunities for me. I finally executed the goal I set in January to offer my dance movement therapy workshop in community. Back in December, I attended an ecstatic dance called Dance Temple, and I wrote about it here in my piece called A Body in Motion. I had a strong desire to offer dance movement therapy workshops in the community. And after that experience doing ecstatic dance, I wondered how I could make this a reality. In mid-January, I walked into a venue, talked with the executive director, and set the wheels in motion for offering this program in one of their spaces. I decided that by the end of June, I wanted to have run three dance movement therapy workshops. The next day, I went into the shed and dug out my group counseling binder from grad school. I resurrected the project I created in 2018 after leading my cohort in various dance movement exercises. But even though I'd led the group then, I'd never run what I actually created in a final written project afterwards, a project that resulted in my professor ending his supportive comments with, I hope you get to run this someday. When I led the class back then, we danced and moved, and I educated the class in the benefits of dance movement therapy. But it was not all. It was not the full experience I envisioned. 
My final project took it another step forward since the program combined dance movement therapy and expressive writing with some mindfulness embedded within. This was the essence of my project. It was a journey into the self incorporating all levels. Dance loosens the body and allows the story to emerge from within, accessing thoughts and emotions. Dance and movement help shake loose the cobwebs that lurk, hindering progress. The stories we have buried within ourselves can block us in our lives and in our writing. Using dance helps us release ourselves so we can write expressively. And it's in writing that we can begin to see what changes we'd like to make in our lives and are able to see what's holding us back. It's the point of my work. I worked in earnest for several months researching and developing ideas. In April, I held my first focus group. I led a small group in various exercises and afterwards received their feedback. Then I went back to development, fine-tuning and preparing. I led another group in May, this time for a group of teen girls. I experienced the difference between working with adults and teens and the adjustments that needed to be made. Finally, I booked that venue and placed a deposit in early May. I decided to offer it in community. It was happening. Then I took a quick marketing class. The terror of marketing. I realize marketing is necessary, but it makes me uncomfortable. I know it's important. I understand that the basis of marketing is to let people know what you offer so you can reach those people who are looking for exactly what you're offering. But how does one do this? Nights of panic, resentment over Facebook ads, fear over asking for help, all of these things came up. At one point, I wanted to cancel, but a wise friend talked me down when it seemed I'd given up. If you cancel, he said, nothing happens. If you do it, something will. You will most definitely learn something. So I got myself together and continued onward. The problem with perfection. I offered a dance movement therapy workshop in my community in mid-June. I led a range of ages from teens to 60s. I did learn a lot. I created an experience that was unique. Some said it was what they were looking for. Others said they didn't know what to expect, but experienced something they hadn't expected. It was cool. I did it. But was it perfect? Well, what does perfect even mean? Does it mean I turned a profit? That it was the best thing ever? Can we even define perfect? How about these queries instead? Was it satisfying? Yes. Did I feel prepared and ready to lead the experience? Yes. Did I experience something I hadn't expected? Yes. Did I wish a thing or two had gone different? Maybe, but they were minor. Nothing that can't be adjusted next time. And this. Were there some wonderful things that transpired in that room that day? Exercises I led that took the participants on a journey that I could not have predicted? Absolutely. Had I given up, decided I wasn't ready, or I was too scared to go for it, I would have missed out on a terrific experience. I wouldn't have had people come to me later and said things changed for them. One person, in fact, said something just before leaving that has stayed with me ever since. I feel like you transported me to another planet for two hours and then brought me back. <laughs> the perfection monster. The perfection monster can often look like a grumpy gargoyle staring at us, daring us to try just so he can see us make a mistake and then pounce on us with shame. It's scary. It's hard. 
Even as we know in our minds, no monster will jump out at us. Our, mo our emotions tell us otherwise, making us freeze in anxiety and keeping us rooted to the spot. We become like the stone statue, immovable with a perpetual fear of the worst, just like the look on this monster's face. We don't want to try because we're scared. We're scared of not being quite right, missing something, or maybe no one even signing up. We don't want to do it unless we're guaranteed perfection. The thing about choosing to do things, whether it's changing the name of my publication here on Substack or deciding to offer a workshop and community that I don't know if anyone wants, is that I don't know what will happen. None of us know. We can't know. It's that sense of uncertainty. Of course, if we never try, we can guarantee that nothing will happen, as my wise, wise friend said. But if we do try, maybe we will help someone else. Since we are offering ourselves, our knowledge, our gifts in the world in our small way, we are making ourselves known, sharing something that may matter. Maybe it's the one voice or offering that makes a difference to someone else and where they are in their life journey. Sometimes we'll know our effect on others. Other times we won't. Oh, and by the way, the goal I set in January to run three dance movement therapy workshops by the end of June, I achieved it. They weren't all paid, but I did it. I ran three workshops by mid-year. It may not be perfectly the way I imagined, but I can confidently say it was good. And enough. And here we are. I have one footnote for those of you who are following along with the essay. Um, but I have a second one that I haven't added here, and that's because I dug around and found the Voltaire uh, quote, and I said it at the beginning of this. L'ennemi du bien est le bien. So it's basically saying the enemy of good is the good, right? So we changed it, I guess, in, in translating it to English to perfection is the enemy of the good. But I just wanted to translate accurately what I shared in the introduction. The other um, footnote I have references Judith Herman. So she is a trauma educator, uh, has been doing this work for decades, and she has a very famous book that is the foundation of a lot of trauma training for therapists, and uh, it's Trauma and Recovery. And I alluded to it at the beginning of my piece where I say that safety and stabilization is the foundational stage of going through trauma recovery. And, you know, I say this a lot because it's worth repeating, like safety is taken away when you are a victim of trauma, when you are surviving a debilitating experience, whether it's a, you know, a one-off accident or intimate partner violence or an attack or assault or recovery from childhood emotional abuse and neglect. There's this sense in, in one's nervous system that 
things are not safe, that we need to find safety and, and to create that sense of security because it should have been created, you know, when we were children or, you know, those horrible things, those one-of events that created trauma responses should have never happened. And, and yes, in an ideal world, none of us would have had traumatic experiences. But those of us who have, we do have to figure out how to create safety and stabilization for ourselves. And, you know, a good chunk of my work was going into therapy and having that support and rebuilding for myself in ways that worked for me. And part of it has been writing and uh, sharing what has happened. We all have to find our own way. And a lot of it comes with finding support, right? And, and you know, the tricky thing for me here is in creating this publication that I also share in a podcast version is, you know, I want to provide information and support, and yet I also, you know, need to take care of myself. So it's a bit of a, a tricky thing to navigate and balance. Um, but the best way to get through things is to be aware of them. So we know why we're making the choices we're making and then being honest about what we're able to give. And, you know, I, when I started this publication, when it was in the old name, Princess in the P, and then I added Survivor Edition a couple months in, I was really putting out essays once a week. And it's a lot of work like to research and put it all together. And, and, you know, I was happy to do it. But by the same token, you know, it's a pace that is very challenging to achieve when, you know, you have to pay your bills and do a job and, you know, you know, build your life, right? And, you know, do the self-care that needs to happen for me to do my job and for me to live a fulfilling life. So I thank you all for listening today. I love doing these podcasts, to be quite honest. I, it's, it's a real joy for me. I like to write the essays and that, and then I just find I get a whole other experience by speaking it. And, and adjusting things and changing and um, adding some new commentary of whatever is really coming to me in the moment. So I thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed the audio reading of my essay and this commentary. If you would like to learn more about my work, please visit my Substack publication in Conscious Motion. I would love to find you there. Thanks for listening. Be well.